Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our morning service, whether you're here in the building or you're watching online. And a particularly warm welcome to anybody who may be visiting here this morning or here for the first time, or those who are here back for the first time after a long time of being away. We do hope you'll enjoy your time with us this morning. Well, this morning we're coming to the end of our sermon series in the Holy Spirit. And Colin's going to be speaking from Romans 8 on the theme of the Holy Spirit assures. What does he assure us of? Well, he assures us when we're tempted to doubt that we are saved, that we belong to God, that we're part of his family, that our eternal future is secure. And the reason he's able to assure us of that is our salvation doesn't depend on us, on our efforts, but on what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. As it says in Isaiah 12, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Well, with that in mind, let's pray to him now. Let's pray. Father God, as we come together this morning to worship you, we thank you that our salvation comes from you. And we pray this morning that you would help us to understand that uh, better. And as you do so, that you would help us to trust in you more and take away any fears that we might have about this life and the life to come. We pray your blessing on the rest of our time together now. We, we pray we pray for Colin as he comes to preach shortly, that he will preach clearly and faithfully in the power of your spirit. And that through his ministry, our lives will be changed as a result. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Lisa's going to come and bring us our reading from Romans chapter 8, verse 12 to 17. Great. So, yeah, and um, if you've got a Bible, um, turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. Therefore, brothers and sisters... We have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, Let's just turn to the Lord in prayer as we start. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the assurance that we have in Christ. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to see that this morning, to see the beauty of Jesus, to see that all that he has done for us, and that we would be warmed by his love. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this morning we're looking at the good news of our assurance. 
the assurance of our salvation, which can sometimes be called uh, the perseverance of the saints, the saints being every Christian, or it can also be called the preservation of the saints, as it is God by his spirit who preserves us to the very end. We're covering the work of the Spirit in four parts, and as we've seen over the past few weeks, we've seen how the Spirit transforms us, he purifies us, empowers us, and we'll see today of how he assures us. He assures us because of his amazing love for us. And it's a little bit like a father and a son, if you like, that in terms of When we come to uh, times of uncertainty, at times of pain, trial, temptation, or even complete failure, we need to know that as a father to a son, that we are loved, that he will be there for us, that he will never let us go, that he still loves us. Because if you are unsure of your salvation will either become puffed up and proud in all the good things and righteous deeds that we do thinking that we are earning our way to heaven in some way or we'll despair thinking that we can never do enough both are a tragedy but as we'll see God doesn't want us to live like that He wants us to be assured of our salvation. Because the Holy Spirit assures us in three ways. By by leading us in life, by testifying that we are his children, and by affirming our inheritance. So firstly, as as he leads us in life, Neil spoke uh, a few weeks ago about how the Spirit uh, leads us. um, That as we put sin to death in our lives, that it shows that the Spirit is working in our lives. That as we do that, we put to death sin and we live for Jesus. Not only does the Spirit bring life to us, but it also he also affirms that we are his children. As the Apostle Paul says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. It means that, really, if our lives are marked by godliness, if our lives are marked by those who are led by the Spirit, then we can be assured that we are the children of God. But I wonder if you've ever heard the phrase, uh, a carnal Christian. That is, someone who would say that they're a Christian, and yet their life doesn't reflect it. As their confession of faith and their life doesn't match up. Because if we really are a Christian, we will display it in how we live. As Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. He's saying that if, if your heart is for him, then you will obey him. It's because you love Jesus that you will delight in keeping his commands. That we'll delight in prayer, delight in his words. Because we love him, we will obey him. Which leads me to ask the question, do you love Jesus? Do you love him? 
Does your heart beat for Jesus? Because of what he has done for you. Your answer will both help you and others understand whether you actually are a Christian. As you love him, you will live by his word. But yet at the same time, someone that truly loves Jesus would say, yes, I do love him, but not as much as I should. Because I should love him more for all that he's done for me. And a follower of Jesus acknowledges that, that really they lack in many ways what they should do because they love him and yet want to love him more. Because it is really by the Spirit of God that allows us to love God. As Jesus goes on to say in John 14, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. We don't work up a love for God in ourselves. We can't make ourselves love Jesus. The only way that our affections are changed for him is by the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Without the gift of the Spirit, we won't have a taste for the things of God. The Bible reading will always be dull. Prayer will be tough, if not impossible. And obeying God's commands will feel like torture. But when the Spirit comes to abide in our hearts, then he will give us new affections. We'll have new desires that will lead us to please him, to honor him in every part of our lives. It reminds me of a, a church I used to be part of as a, as a young Christian where at the beginning of the service the, the pastor would stand up and read or more likely shout at the top of his voice Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 which says it is the Shema which the Jews would call the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and with all your strength. I remember thinking yes but I don't. As he's commanded us to love God, I just remember thinking, yes, but I don't love God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. But I want to. I want to love the Lord in that way. But I realize the difference, the difference between the law, which commands us to do, and the gospel, which says, look at what Christ has done for you. And that's why I love the verse in 1 John 4. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is the gospel. That is the message that changes us. As the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin, he convicts us of our lack of love for God and gives us his spirit that he leads us to his son, Jesus. Therefore, our hearts are stirred by the love of Christ. As we are led by the Spirit in our lives, we could be more and more assured of our salvation. As he also works by testifying that we are his children. 
The Apostle Paul affirms that if the Spirit leads us in our lives, he also testifies in our hearts that we are God's children, saying, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit works in such a way in our lives that he not only transforms our lives, but he also testifies that we are his. Therefore, not only should there be a clear change in how we live, but we should also have an experience that we should feel the presence of God in our hearts day to day. I remember speaking to a friend last year who was raised in a Christian home. And whilst he would call himself a Christian, I wasn't sure if he understood what it meant to be a child of God. So I said to him, Oliver, when, when you're at home and when you pray either yourself or maybe with your family, do you think God hears your prayers? He said, you know, I often think that prayer is just like wishful thinking, like positive thinking in some way. And so I said to him, do you know how I know that God hears our prayers? Because his spirit testifies with our spirit that we are his children. Otherwise, it will feel like wishful thinking. It will feel like our words are bouncing off the ceiling. Because only when the Spirit works in our hearts can we have the experience of knowing that God hears our prayers and that he is our Heavenly Father. He hears our prayers and he also adopts us, not fostering for a temporary period, but that he adopts us permanently into his family as his children. And God confirms this in our hearts. He confirms this by the work of the Spirit, which gives us a new birth. As Jesus says this to a religious leader of the day, saying, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. To be assured of your salvation as a Christian, you must firstly be assured that you are a Christian. When we come to God acknowledging our sin, acknowledging that we have sinned against the Lord, that we need a Savior, that he will forgive us of all of our sins and give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we will be sealed with that, with him, until the end of time. As Paul assures the church in Philippi of that very same thing, being confident of this, that you are in Christ, that he who began a work, a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The day of Christ Jesus is the last day, the day of judgment, when we need to have a clear answer to God on what basis we are saved. Perhaps the challenge for some, some of us is that maybe we've based that in a moment in our life, perhaps we've said a certain prayer, uh, raised our hand at a meeting, 
or gone forward at a large gathering. And this might be something that we base our own salvation on, or we look to others and they have told us that they base their salvation on that moment. Now, don't misunderstand me. Whether we're four years old or 84 years old, we still need to make a public declaration of faith. We need to confess Jesus as Lord with our lips. For some people, they may have had a clear conversion moment, a clear time when the Lord saved them. For others, it may have happened over a period of time. The important thing, as Jesus would say, is that we display fruit in keeping with repentance. That is, the fruit of the Spirit should be evident in how we live as Christians. Our lives should change. They should be different as we live for the Lord. That should be clear to everyone. But we may ask the question, well, what about those who are raised in the church, come to church, serve in different ways, and perhaps over many years even become missionaries, even become church leaders, and yet in the end it appears that they completely abandon the Lord? People who have claimed to be Christians in the past but now are nowhere. How do we explain that? Well, the Apostle John, when speaking about those who appear to abandon the faith, he says this, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. If people appear to follow Jesus and yet abandon him, it shows that they were never truly born again in the beginning. If they are truly born again, then they will never abandon the Lord. But we can't see into people's hearts. We don't know what's really going on in people's lives. Only the Lord does. And we don't know what will happen tomorrow. Because perhaps someone has made a confession of faith. They are not living it out right now. And yet, in the end, will repent and be saved on the last day. We don't know what will happen. God does. But yet we're also called to pray for people like that. Pray for people who are in that situation, that dangerous position of having made a a declaration of faith but are not letting it out. That they would come to a clear understanding of what it means to turn from sin and turn to Jesus and live for him. Because if you're truly born again by the Spirit, as it says in Ephesians, you will be sealed by the Spirit of God, guaranteeing your salvation. As those who are truly God's will be held by him. As Jesus says in John 10, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. If you are God's, He will never, never, never let you go. As J.I. Packer says, you are not strong enough to fall away whilst God is resolved to hold you. You are not strong enough to fall away whilst God is resolved to hold you. 
And the good news is that he will keep us because he will keep us affirming our eternal inheritance. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, verse 17, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. It's the amazing truth that as the Spirit works in our hearts and testifies that we are his children and heirs, we can be sure of our heavenly inheritance. And even as we suffer, just as Jesus suffered, it will even prove that we are believers, that we are followers of him. And the Apostle Peter, in his first letter to, uh, to the people there, speaks about suffering. Suffering Christian, Christians in Turkey. And he wants to encourage them as they are going through persecution. So he focuses on their eternal inheritance. In First Peter, as we've heard from the last uh, few months back, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. As Christians given a new birth by the Spirit, we have an inheritance that can never be taken away. It will never perish, spoil, or fade because God has kept it for you. If you are a Christian this morning, that is true of you. That our, internal inheri- that our eternal inheritance can never be changed, never be taken away from us. Because as sure as Jesus rose from the dead, so sure can we be of our heavenly inheritance. Because when you think of First Peter, you think of the life of the Apostle Peter. You just realize just how powerful these words truly are. As you remember, it wasn't a, a Roman soldier that came to Peter and asked him if he was a follower of Jesus. No, it was a little servant girl who came to Peter and said, weren't you with Jesus? To which he replied three times, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And as the cockerel crowed, as Jesus promised, Peter broke down and wept. In that moment, if you'd lined up Judas Iscariot and Peter, you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. Because Peter had been trusting in himself. He trusted in his own power, his own strength, his own good deeds. And denied the Lord. And that's true for us as well. If we, if our salvation is dependent on something that we have to complete, then we will not enjoy the assurance of our salvation at all. As it is by grace we have been saved, not by works. So if you've had an awful week this week, God cannot love you less. If you've had a great week with the Lord this week, he can't love you more. Because his love for us is not dependent on what we have done, but what Jesus has done for you. Don't look to yourself. Look to Jesus. Don't look to yourself. Look to Jesus.
Look to Jesus and see that he has paid for your sins in full as you bask in the assurance that he holds out for you. And as we delight in that, delight in what he has done for us, he also continues to work for us. As Jesus knew that that Peter, that he would deny him, but Jesus said, I have prayed for you. I have prayed that your faith may not fail. And today, right now, as our great high priest, Jesus prays for us. He intercedes for us to the Father. Therefore, if you're going through massive trials in your life, maybe you're grieving the loss of a loved one, maybe you're struggling in illness, maybe you're going through a divorce, maybe you're struggling at school, struggling in work, struggling in your marriage, Jesus prays for you right now. He has not forgotten you. He prays for you. It means that even as a Christian, if you've fallen into massive moral failure, if you've been addicted to to drugs, addicted to alcohol, to gambling, to pornography, you've committed adultery, you've committed massive financial fraud, there is still a way back. Because Jesus is praying for you. Therefore, friends, let us not become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and turn away from the goodness of God. Instead, let us confess our sins knowing that God delights in it, in us when he turns, when we turn to him and experience his loving kindness. Because nothing can separate us from his love. As the Apostle Paul says at the end of Romans, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. When we look to Jesus and trust in him alone, then we can know and feel the security that God is our heavenly father and we are his children. We must look to him as the fount of all goodness, all blessing, all love and delight in what he has done for us. As one pastor once said, The greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father, on our Heavenly Father, the greatest unkindness you can do to Him is, how might you answer that? We could say to not obey Him, to not see Him as the Lord Almighty, to not see Him as holy. No, the greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness you can do to Him, is not to believe that he loves you. As we come to our Heavenly Father, knowing that we are his children, and he loves us. Let's pray together. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin 
Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing grace that we have been pardoned, that we are loved by you. We thank you for your amazing love sealed by the Spirit in our hearts. We pray, Father, that you would help us to examine ourselves if there is any hardness of heart in us, that we would confess that to you, that we would receive your love and kindness. We pray if there's anyone this morning who has not received you, that they would do so this morning to see you as their Father in heaven. And let us receive your love afresh this morning to see you for who you are and the certainty that we have in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was a wonderful assurance that we heard um, from Romans 8 that Colin finished uh, the sermon with. Can we read those words again? For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Holy Spirit assures us that we are his children and that our eternal inheritance is secure because nothing can change the love that God has for his children. Because God's love, as we've heard, is not dependent on what we do. If it were, we would all be in trouble. God's love is an act of grace, of undeserved loving kindness towards us. As it says in 1 John 4, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And that's what we're remembering and celebrating now as we take the Lord's Supper together. The love of God expressed in the sacrifice of Jesus for us, that our sins might be forgiven and that we can be made right with God. So let's thank him for that now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you that he was willing to humble himself and be obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we're sorry for our sins that made his death necessary. But we thank you that his perfect life, his sacrifice was sufficient to enable us to be forgiven and declared righteous in your sight. We thank you for the ongoing work of your spirit in our lives as he continues to make us more like Jesus and confess now those things that we have done or have failed to do that are displeasing to you and where we are unaware of them. Please reveal them to us and in the power of your spirit enable us to put to death any ongoing sin we pray. It's a moment of quiet. Father, we thank you for your promise that as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we pray you would fill us with your spirit now 
that as we share this bread and this wine, we may feed symbolically on the body and blood of Christ, that we may be assured of your eternal love for us and be empowered for service in your world. In Jesus' name, amen. Of the service can come forward to uh, distribute the, the bread and the wine. The invitation to come and take part in this supper is extended to all who, who love the Lord Jesus Christ, who have accepted the gift of his sacrifice for our sakes. If you're not yet in that place, then it's great to have you with us this morning, but do feel free just to let the, uh, the plate pass as it comes to you without any, any embarrassment. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave him thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. This is the body of Christ, which is broken for you. Feed on him in your hearts with faith and thanksgiving. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Drink this in the remembrance of Christ died for you and be thankful. Heavenly Father, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your son, Jesus Christ. And through him, we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. We offer you our financial gifts to be used to spread the gospel, recognizing that all we have comes from you. So send us out now in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.